0: You're listening to The Other Connor Podcast, a part of the Hockey Podcast Network. Here's your host, Connor Halley.
1: Hello, Oilers fans. Thank you once again for tuning in to The Other Connor Podcast here on the Hockey Podcast Network. My name is Connor Halley. I am your host, as usual. You can give me a follow on Twitter at Connor Halley. We've got a real fun show coming up for you here today, of course busy times in oil country the draft just passed for agency right around the corner i'm going to bring in my friends brennan Clock, and hernan salas on the show today to talk about all of that and more it's coming up next here on the other connor podcast but before we get to that we got to thank our sponsor, DraftKings. You've heard us talk about DraftKings, the leader in daily fantasy sports and how payday can come every day by entering their contests with huge cash prizes up for grabs. Making a lineup on DraftKings adds excitement to every night and is simple to do. Draft your lineup and feel the sweat like never before. Every moment means more with a DraftKings lineup on the line. DraftKings has paid out over $7 billion. That's a billion. To users across all sports, DraftKings is the leader in daily fantasy sports, so there's no better place to get in on all of the action. Now that you know how to play, download the DraftKings app and use promo code THPN. New users will get a free entry with their first deposit. That's code THPN to get a free entry with your first deposit. Only at DraftKings, minimum $5 deposit required. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. Once again, thank you guys so much for tuning in to the other Connor Podcast here on the Hockey Podcast Network. My name is Connor Halley. I am your host, as always. Give me a follow on Twitter, and we're not going to waste any more time. We're going to get right into it with our two guests here. A bit of a round table. We've got Hernan Salas of TSN 1260, also Locked On Oilers, two guys in the goalie. You can give him a follow on Twitter, at Hernan Demand. And then we've also got Brendan Clack, He's a contributor at Tracks. You can give him a follow on Twitter, at NHL Update. And he's also... Down the dial from Hernan and myself with six thirty Chad. Guys, how are you doing today?
0: Good, good, good. Hi Clacker. Doing good, doing good boys.
1: <laughs> Clack uh, before we start here, I just want to say happy belated birthday. How old are you now?
0: I am now twenty five, and I oh, I'm man. not gonna say I'm old because you guys are gonna stare at me across the, the digital dial. So I I Wait, wait, wait. Your birthday today? It was on Friday? Saturday. It was on Saturday. Saturday. Yeah. I forgot what day it was. So. Oh, happy birthday, my friend.
1: <laughs> happy birthday, Clock. I wanted to get that in there. Also, uh, Mariah and Ty at Virgin Radio also celebrating birthdays over the weekend. So, happy birthday to all of you guys. Now we'll get into the Oilers talk because, uh, You know, that's kind of what we have to do here in Hernan. I know you're on vacation, so thank you for joining us today. Uh, Let's get into it. We'll start with you, Clacko. What did you make of the Oilers draft overall over the weekend?
0: Well, it was a little strange, wasn't it? Because I think I was sitting there expecting that they were going to take a forward, and we thought that both of the goalies would be gone by the time the Oilers pick rolled around. And we're kind of sitting there at the 15th pick, and we're going, wow, like, what if we have to choose? What if what if Sebastian Kosa and Jesper Walsted are both available and they have to make a decision? But Steve Eiserman trades up. He gets Sebastian Kosa. And then you have Jesper Walsted sitting there at the Oilers pick. Uh, Elliot Freeman said that there was maybe three or four teams trying to move up to get to the Oilers pick, to get Jesper Walstead. And the Oilers decide to trade down. They pass on him and they go with Xavier. Everybody with me, Borjo. We're going to hope that's right. (laughs) And I think it's it's, 50-50. Borjo, (laughs) Borgo. And uh, frankly, like I was a bit disappointed because I've seen, like I saw Walstead play at the World Juniors and he looked so calm and poised. And I really thought this guy was going to be something special. And then they passed on him. It's really, it's a, it's a big assertion that they must really like. Ilya Konovalov, who they're bringing over from the KHL. They must really believe that he is the goalie of the future or has a chance to be the goalie of the future and that's maybe why they decided to go with the best forward on their list instead. And the rest of the draft, not a lot of guys that I find have great upside. I do like Jake Chason. The others like their Chias and they grab another one and Jake (sighs) Chason played really well for Brandon in the shortened season and and Otherwise, I mean that that third round pick, can you pronounce his name? No.
1: <laughs> the Luca, third round. <laughs> Luca
0: Munzenberger? Luca Munzenberger.
1: That one I thought that one I, I I don't struggle with too much. Uh Matvey Petrov, Shane LeChance, Maximus Wanner. Great names. Or Wanner?
0: They, they nailed the name game for this draft, but I think I th- it's really interesting now to think about who's going to end up being better. Is it going to be Wallstead's career or is it going to be Borjo's career and Munzenberger's career, who is really off the radar? I mean, he's got some size, but he didn't have a point. The World Juniors in Germany played in their U-20 league. I honestly had not heard of him when the Oilers made that pick.
1: Yeah, and I'll be honest with you guys, I was following along uh, the, the fine folks at Draft Prospects Hockey gave me one of their guides, so I was trying to you know, see what they thought about the players, and for the third round pick it, it didn't come up. They didn't have anything on him. So I was like, okay, well, sorry, Luca. I'd love to give you some love on Twitter and, and say that these are your positive attributes, at least, but can't do it. And that was a little disappointing. Uh, the other guys were in the draft, guys, so that was good. But it, it looked like they weren't the only one. Like, a lot of people were kind of uncertain with Luca. Uh, Hernan, you were working on TSN 1260's draft show with Tom Gazzola and Alan Mitchell. When the trade drops, what was the reaction from the fan base through the 1260 text line?
2: Well, both you gents know how it is uh when it comes to the Oilers at, at probably any radio station. It, it wasn't positive. Uh, a lot of people were kind of uh, surprised, shocked that the Oilers had a chance of one of the top two goalies in this draft, and they opted to pass. Uh Clacker made a good point though, like, and uh, not just kind of all of. Do they believe Skinner can be that guy? Like, I mean, who knows? Or if they got something in the works um coming up this week? But it's definitely an inter- interesting decision. But I'll be honest, guys. I I don't know much about uh, the player they drafted. I, I leave that to the draft experts and guys that scout and 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 do and do these uh, great lists uh, and get us all ready for the draft. So, I mean, uh, I've heard good and bad about this player, but I mean, when you come to a draft, Connor and Brennan, I think you can say that about just any player. Everybody comes with something to work on outside of the the top two, the top guys, right? So. Um, when they got that, you know what, I didn't mind it, though, because I was like, okay, hey, they got a third, now they can maybe use it in a trade, or maybe just, and then that pick comes down, and you're seeing all the experts on, on Twitter saying, who, <laughs> like, wow, they, they could have got this guy in the fifth, sixth round, right, so again, I, listen, I, I, Tyler Wright and his staff put a lot of work, it was a, it was a tough season to scout, a lot, you know, a lot of guys didn't play, if guys did play, it was very limited, and a lot of it had to be done on video. So I understand that, but I just, I'm going off from what I saw, uh, you know, from, again, from scouts and the guys that, that, that do this for a living. And I saw a lot of it on Twitter. You know how it is, Connor. They always have the winner and losers of the draft. Oh,
1: yeah.
2: <laughs> and I think on every list I saw, the orders were in the loser ones. So I mean, only time will tell, but Clacker said it as well. Like a lot of guys that probably won't, will never see here. Um, but yeah, I mean, if this Jesper Wallstead kid turns into an absolute stud, uh, I, I think the Oiler Brats is going to have a tough time, uh, a tough time with that one because uh, eventually the Oilers need a number one goalie. They're in win mode. I get it. But I mean, yeah, it was, it was definitely interesting. And and then when you hear Bill Garrett say, well, we never thought he'd be there. Like they didn't have a name bar for him or anything. Cause they were shocked he was still there. So it goes to show you just what kind of prospect they, they passed on. So we'll wait and see. Like, if, if this Xavier kid turns out to be, you know, a top-nine guy for the order, I think we'll be okay with it. But, yeah, it's just for Walsh said. I mean, uh, if, he come, if he becomes a stud, Connor, huh, look out.
1: Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. we'll talk about it in five years, right? Then we'll actually see what's going to happen. Just for those people who who might not know the Draft Prospects Hockey Guide, what they have here, and, and they ranked him 35th, so you might say yeah. it was a bit of a reach for the Oilers, and I think that was kind of a, a thought about a lot of the picks that they had. But they say an offensive-minded forward with soft hands and goal scorer's drive, plays with pace, uses his smarts and strong positioning to create offense, it's a big paragraph, so I'll just jump down to the end. Top six NHL potential with offensive upside. So, I mean, that's that's yeah. ideally where you'd want him to be. I think Drysaddle and McDavid, anytime you can find them, a winger that could potentially play with him is great, but how long? It, it's, it's years down the road. So, I mean, we'll cycle back to it in a few years and see how it goes. Uh, guys, uh, just looking ahead to free agency now, and we are getting closer. We'll, we'll talk free agency and then we'll talk about some of the other moves for the Edmonton Oilers, but uh, Right now, you're Ken Holland. What is the thing you're looking at first as uh to bring in and, and help solidify your team, Clack?
0: Well, for me, we kind of have an idea that Zach Hyman is going to be an Edmonton Oiler. At least it's not a guarantee, but it's looking like a 98% chance. They, Zach Hyman was in Edmonton. That was broke by Jason Greger from TSN 1260 that he had been visiting and, and and Hyman is an excellent fit. Like I think people need to realize with Zach Hyman that it's not David Clarkson. It's not Milan Lucic. It's more Ryan Smith, like Zach Hyman. He brings his pail to work. And I don't think that that player coming in is going to be as bad of a bust as say Clarkson or Lucic, if it's on an eight year deal, just because I feel like the way he plays is not necessarily a, bang-and-crash style, but more a forechecking digs-the-puck-out style, maybe he can actually survive a lot of that contract. And the big thing for me is going to be the buyout-proofness of the deal. Like, if there's some buyout protection, if it's not all signing bonuses at the end of the deal, maybe he does get bought out with two years left, it's not that bad. For the rest of the team, though, like, for what else they need... I think goaltender is going to be the most important thing. You cannot rely on Mike Smith, who's going to be almost 40 years old, to have the exact same season he did again when it's over a longer time period. We're talking a season that starts in October and it ends in late April. There's a lot more time that that goalie's got to focus and keep in tip-top shape. And at his age, you would like to have, a really nice insurance option. And that's going to be the number one thing for the Oilers for me is who is that goalie and are they a little younger? Is it a goalie that you can maybe grow with into next season? Is it a UFA? Is it trade? That's the number one position for me.
1: How about you Hernan? Is there a a particular area of need that you think Ken Holland needs to address first? And I guess we can assume that the Hyman deal is pretty much done.
2: Yeah. I mean, I mean, the Oilers have so many needs guys, right? Like it's, It's not, and I'm kind of with Clacker, like, hey, nothing against Mike Smith. He, he earned the contract. He was outstanding last year, but to ask him to do it for a third year, I think you're playing with fire. Um, I think you need a, I think I, I, I don't mind Mike Smith here, but you, you need a, you need another better option than Staylock and Koskin You can't go into the season with Koskin and Smith again. Um, I don't think Mike Smith leads you to the Stanley Cup. Uh, I think, I think he can get you to this postseason you can you know have an outstanding regular season but let's be honest for the other ain't winning a couple of Mike Smiths between the pipes so um yeah I'm a little I mean a little concerned to see what happens here in the goaltending market I don't know if you can unload Koskinen I mean that would be absolutely amazing if you find someone to take him but at the end of the day I think gold, I'm with Clacker I'm sorry to be boring Connor but um <laughs> like like it's, 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 it's a, such a big position for this team. And I'd say secondly, defense, like, listen, like, I, and we talked about this, like Larson left, like we're not talking about Chris Pronger here, but the issue with this is that you don't have a guy that plays like a Larson now in the order. And how much, how much can you put on Darnell Nurse to to kind of do everything on this team? I think that's a lot to ask. So, I'm a little concerned about what they're going to do in the back end as well. Up front, I think if Hyman comes, it is what it is. He's going to get a long-term deal. I agree with Clark, where he, he's going to he's going to help. I mean, he's going to be uh, those first three years. He's going to be, uh, I think, a really good oiler. But um, yeah, there's a lot of holes, Connor. And I'm I'm fascinated for for this week to see what they do.
1: Uh, you guys both well, Hernan, you touched on the defense there, and uh, obviously we have to address that. Duncan Keith is now a member of the Edmonton Oilers. And, you know, I guess if you look at dailyfaceoff.com right now, they have his partner as Evan Bouchard. Um, A lot of the struggles that were documented with Keith in the last couple of years were the fact that, you know, he was playing with inexperienced blue liners. And if he comes to Edmonton and Bouchard is the guy, then uh, not a whole lot changes. Clack, how do you think the Oilers and Ken Holland can look to address that issue? And I mean, is there anyone out there name-wise that you like to maybe we bring some uh, veteran presence to that blue line and and just make it a little more stable and not depending on all these kids.
0: Well, it's going to be really tough. I'm not going to lie that Adam Larson was a very unique player in the UFA market this year because there wasn't a lot of quality defensive defensemen and he might have been the best one. And there's a lot of guys that can move the puck. There's a lot of veteran defensemen available, but that Larson type just wasn't really there. I think that maybe they have to look at like what I think is they should be maybe more creative and think about maybe adding a left shot defenseman. Whoa, but they just got Keith. That doesn't make sense. I think it makes sense if Tyson Berry comes back because if the Oilers are bringing back Tyson Berry, rather than trade Ethan Bear, who's a young defenseman that could develop still over a healthy off season. Remember he was, in, he was injured last year. And that I think really hurt his conditioning, but if he has a good summer and he develops and that right side has Barry and Bouchard and bear on it. So all those guys can move the puck, but maybe Duncan Keith can play with Ethan bear. Maybe nurse can play with Barry again or Bouchard. And then there's another left slot. Maybe you want to move Chris Russell to the number seven position and get a defensive left shot D. Cause if you look at the right side, not a lot of options, David Savard, there's some word he might be going to Montreal, but even if he's not, he's on the wrong side of 30 going forward and his contract's going to be a lot. Travis Hamanick. I don't really find Travis Hamanick to be that effective anymore, other than a block shot artist. Like he's very good on that. He's he's good at the Chris Russell type of role, but otherwise I'm not sure if he's going to be as effective as Larson at all in shutting down the opposition It's going to be really, really difficult. I think that they're going to have to look and maybe this is where analytics come into play and you find a guy that's maybe not as heralded, who they can bring in, who does perform really well in certain aspects like shot suppression. Maybe the Montreal Canadiens who are looking to add to their blue line to help replace Shea Weber. Maybe they're willing to trade a guy like Brett Kulak to the Oilers, who I thought looked really solid in the playoffs, but you never hear about him. Maybe that's a guy you bring in to try to help fill a role. I mean, it's it's not losing Larson was devastating just as much as losing Clefbaum was devastating.
1: Uh, Hernan uh, Clacker mentioned Tyson Berry and Ryan Rashog said today on the Jason Greger show that, you know, the conversation is ongoing. Not sure uh, whose end of the court the ball is in, but there has been that back and forth. We know what Tyson Berry does. Last year, led the league in points for defenseman. You know more points than guys like Victor Hedman, Kyle McCarr, Dougie Hamilton. Bringing him back, do you think that's the right move for the Oilers?
2: Ah, oh, no, that's a tough question. Um, I mean, I'm a Tyson Berry guy. I know he's. I know he's not loved by the analytics community, and I get it. He's his strong suit's so not. He's not you know in his own den, but. <sighs> Listen, Connor, I think for me, I'm okay with bringing him back, but at, at what term, at what price? It's got to make sense, right? And it seems the owners are overpaying a lot lately, and I, just to add to that, another player. But if you don't bring Tyson Berry and then who? Like, Clacker just named a bunch of guys that are on the wrong side of 30 and, and uh, probably better suited to play third pair or even be the seventh. So, I mean, I don't think there's a lot of options. I mean – uh, Kenny Holland said he's not going big name hunting for for defense, so I'm okay with Tyson Berry if it's you know three year deal and it's it's a reasonable number. But you can go crazy here, Connor. And that's and that's the risk, right? They lost Adam Larson. Now they have to now they have to kind of overpay for someone and that's not as good. So yeah, it's a tough one for me. I, I I like Tyson Berry as a player, but it all comes down to the contract for me and. Is it like and just to add to the Keith, like is there a more like fascinating guy going into the season? Like, I mean, it's weird to say this, but the pressure on this guy, like, because for what Kenny Holland gave up and for his cap hit, his age and everything, like, uh, it's man, or uh, this guy's gonna have to like knock it out of the park, or you know how older fans are here, and and, and, and they're gonna be hard on him if he doesn't bring it, so. I'm really intrigued by Duncan Keith. But um, yeah, Tyson Berry, I'm cool with bringing him back. I like the player, but it depends on the contract.
1: What do you think, Clark? I mean, we know what he can do. He he, he came as advertised for the Oilers. He he eventually found his footing with the power play and was on that top pairing with Darnell Nurse. But we do know that he's not going to bring a rugged game and you know he's not going to be able to hop on that PK. What do you think about bringing him back and, and do you think it's the right move for the team? And let's say, like Hernan said, it's a three-year deal and you're not overpaying too much.
0: Well, Tyson Berry is a tough one for me if you're going to trade Ethan Bear, Just because I feel like dealers would be making a mistake giving up on Bear at this age. He hasn't even hit the 300-game mark. And you hear everybody talking about the 300-game mark for a defenseman. Darnell Nurse got a lot of leash in that category where... We waited quite a long time and he's really blossomed over the last year to be a better player. I think the first year of Ethan bear we saw was pretty good. And if he's healthy, I I just can't trade him away. So if you're bringing back Tyson Berry, you probably want it to be shorter term. You can't go on long-term because you do have Evan Bouchard that you'd like to cost control into the same role, but I would bring back Barry. If it was shorter term, maybe the money's around $5 million something affordable that they can go with. And like I said, the left shot D then they need to find something that's defensive that can replace Adam Larson and bump Duncan Keith down a little bit. That's going to help Duncan Keith. If Duncan Keith is playing as the five defenseman, I know he's paid five and a half. I didn't like that trade, but at the same time it's done. What's done is done. Maybe if Duncan Keith is supporting Bouchard or bear on the third pair, I think that could be a good role for him. He can be a good leader in that room and he ha- he can have that less responsibility. If he's on the second pair, he doesn't have a lot of, like, his responsibility is pretty much the same as it was in Chicago. Like, oh, he played 23 minutes. Yeah, but in Edmonton, just subtract two minutes of power play and he's still going to get 21. He's still on the second pair, especially if you have Nurse and Barry and Bear and Bouchard, all these guys that are more – mobile and can be offensive well Keith will be forced to do a lot of defensive work I, I think they need a left shot guy like Jake McCabe or I, I actually went to the free agents uh, list just now because I wanted to get some names just to throw out there and I think Jake McCabe's really interesting he got hurt last year but that's the type of guy shot suppression a little bit younger even a guy like I mean Mike Riley's interesting too because I don't know if you know this, but in Edmonton, Mike Riley was a winner. And uh, can we re- can we replicate it? That'd be interesting. It's Michael, it's- <laughs> yeah, it is Michael now. Is Michael. Yeah, so yeah. Mike and Michael Riley, they they can at least differ a little bit. Uh, I I mean that's I don't know if I trust Duncan Keith as my three defenseman. I don't think his role changes very much. And so if you're bringing in Barry, I just think you have to shuffle everything. Otherwise, it could be way too much to ask of Duncan at this age.
2: And, and just with this Ethan Bear, like, I get it, like, why you'd move him, cause you, you don't want Barry, Bouchard, and Bear. I mean, I, I think you'd be asking for trouble, and I, I, I understand the return, would you'd have to, you'd probably get a, a good return on Bear, but, like, I, this is what I hate about sports sometimes, guys, is that, did we forget Bear's first year? Like, how good he was for the Edmonton Oilers. Like, do you remember everybody, like, just fanboying hardcore over Ethan Bear? And then last year, yeah, he, he doesn't have the best start to the season. He gets hurt. Uh, There's, there's, there's rumors about his conditioning, but he got better as the year wore on. And like, I I feel like we're just ready to give up on this guy because he had a tough, he had some tough moments this past year. Like there's a good player there. Like Ethan is legit. Like, I I don't know why we're all of a sudden want to just move on from him. And I get it. Like you have to fix that right side. And if he's the move, I'm okay, but you better be getting another pretty good defenseman to come help. Maybe a obviously a different style, not maybe obviously a different style than Bear, but it just drives me crazy that all of a sudden, like Bear is like this guy that we just want to get rid of, right?
1: When when you hear the people talk about well, the influence that Duncan Keith could have on the young guys and to me it's not just the young guys I mean obviously the the Brobergs and the Bouchards and the Bears I I think he could mm-hmm. teach them a lot but I mean I don't think there's anyone on the Oilers roster who couldn't learn from a guy like Duncan Keith Elners, McDavid Drysdale all included cuz the guy's just one on every level um do do you do you buy into that cuz I know some people say that's BS like what how much can they learn from watching him but other people think, you know, there is that that impact that he could have on this team if he's willing to put in the time and the guys are willing to buy in. Uh, Clack, I mean, are, do you believe that, that Duncan Keith could really help these guys grow their game, especially the younger defense?
0: Well, you know who believes it is Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisettle, because management went to those two guys and said, what do you think? And those two guys are the leaders of the room. McDavid and Dreisaitl are the number one and two leader in that room in terms of on-the-ice play and what the team wants to be going forward, and they believe that Duncan Keith can play a role and help them in that room. But saying that, I think that we overrate it a little bit sometimes. It's going to help. It's absolutely gonna help. Evan Bouchard watching Duncan Keith's preparation and how he handles himself, that's gonna help him. That's gonna help Ethan Bear. That's gonna help those young those young defensemen for sure. But on the ice, it there is a very significant uh quality issue with having a 38 year old being dependent on like that like Bouchard and Bear are their own players and Keith's going to help them out for sure but they have to make their own plays they have to learn the game on their own as well with the coaching staff and Jim Playfair and there's so many other factors than just one guy coming in and and being like hey look at me do what I do yeah there's a whole lot of factors uh, to me, I think that they actually could use a little bit more leadership, but it has to be good leadership. And there, you know what? I'm going to give you guys a name that has been kind of out there in the last 24 hours, but it was well expected that Ryan Getzlaff was going yeah. to resign in Anaheim. And the last little bit here, we've heard that maybe Anaheim's not offering him a deal and he might hit the UFA market. And it's that's another leader that they could add to the room to help build a bit of a culture so it's not just Keith and it's not just Mike Smith so they have other guys that can help McDavid and Dreisaitl lead this team
1: yeah I mean when you when you look at like the what the Maple Leafs done in the past with Joe Thornton and Marlowe and guys Wayne Simmons guys like that even the Oilers way back in the day uh clocky I don't even know if you were born yet but uh when Adam Oates came to the team and yeah he didn't contribute a whole lot offensively two goals 16 assists and 60 games played but uh I think the benefit was the face-off circle for those young centers, the Marty Reasoners, the uh, Sean Horkov, uh, Jared Stoll, like the the little things that you could pick up from a guy like that? Uh, I, I was I, eight believe years in old, it. Connor. I okay, you were, I, was, I was born. You remember it like it was yesterday, but yeah, like just I think it is a good thing. Hernan, do you think Getzlaff would come to Edmonton?
2: Ah, jeez. I mean, I I think the appeal of uh, mcdavid and drive settle yeah but i don't know man like uh, this guy's older now he's probably doesn't want to move too far you know family and all that so i mean i would take ryan gets but i don't know if he'd be willing to come here and it's interesting because you brought up adam Oates and the guys in toronto and we saw the guys in montreal this year the old guys, you know what the difference is connor they came cheap and I think that's the problem. Yeah. Like, is five point five for Duncan Keith? Is 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 it worth it for for how valuable is that going to be in the room? Yeah, and sure, he's gonna like he he's gonna talk with Bear and Nurse, and and he's gonna obviously give them advice and 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 you know how to carry themselves and how to train and what to do out there in certain situations. But at the end of the day, I, I Clacker alluded to it as well. Like, this guy's got to worry about his game too, right? Like you came over on a pretty big ticket and their expectations are pretty high for Donald Keith. I don't care if he's 38 or 28. If you gave up that much and you're paying that much, you better be, you better be more than just a third pairing guy. So uh, I don't know. I I think he will be good in the room. I think for everybody, because this this team lacks that, they lack that guy that's been there and won it all and and what it takes. And and I get all that, but for me, it's not worth for what the Oilers paid for him.
1: Yeah. And I mean, cost is one thing, but you touch on the Montreal Canadiens there. Like, yeah, it was great that they brought in, uh, Stahl and, and Corey Perry. I'm sure those guys helped out a lot, but having, uh, Sherrod Weber, Petrie Edmondson, uh, Kerry Price, that, that probably yeah. helps out so too. And if the Oilers had a blue line like that and a world-class goaltender, heck, they could probably go on a run too. Uh, Clack, I want to ask you this one because I know Hernan and I talked about it a little bit on his podcast. Out of 10, how confident are you? In Ken Holland, right now, that he can build a winner in Edmonton.
0: Oh boy, uh, let's see here. How to get in trouble? Uh, <laughs> I honestly think I'm going to put it at a three. Wow, okay. and it sounds—I know how low Dark. that sounds. It's just I don't feel like the Oilers are at the the level of creativity right now that the top teams are at like the 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 stuff that you see Colorado and Vegas and Toronto and Tampa Bay do I haven't seen Ken Holland do since he was in Detroit in the early 2000s almost like some of the some of the moves that the dealers have made they're a little bit limited due to the market but at the same time I mean just look at look at Arizona and how much money they just took on with Pixar assets and and dealers couldn't really get in on that you look at Tampa Bay and how they found ways to keep talent and farm talent and develop guys and how, how teams are using analytics to their advantage. And the Oilers have maybe one guy doing it. Justin May seems like a really nice guy. I don't know how much, I don't know how much they actually use him and what the reports are. We haven't really heard any of that publicly as to how far it goes, but a lot of these teams go really, really in depth and they do some really creative stuff. The Oilers just even look at Duncan Keith, like, it seems like there's at least five or six other teams that found ways to get a left-hand defenseman who is either better or in the same sal- salary range for cheaper. And it just seems like, like Ken Holland kind of has a philosophy at this point. I mean, he's he's an older guy. He's won. He, he wants to go and he wants to win his way again because he thinks that's how it's going to work. But a lot has changed since he was in Detroit. And in Detroit, he just kind of threw money at a lot of guys and it didn't work out just like it used to for him in the early 2000s when you could just throw money at Shanahan and Brett Hall and Dominic Hazek and just build your team with everybody. It's not the same. I, I need to see the Oilers make some winning moves. I mean, he, even Ken Holland said himself, I don't like to win trades really. He said he, he likes, he, he's not going to squeeze anybody. It has to be even. I don't think other teams think that way. I think other teams go for what they think is going to help their club the most. If they have to win a trade, they win a trade. Ken Holland needs a, to win a trade for me to have Clacker. any confidence in him.
2: Clacker, I didn't say wow because I don't. Agree. I agree with you, and I gave him I think. Me and Connor were like at a five-four, and I agree with you. Like, and I asked Connor, when's the last time? When's the last time the Oilers actually made a good trade? Like you're like, damn, man, like great work, Kenny Holland. We're usually like, oh, okay, that's okay. Or we're, we're always like, what the hell was that? And, and I agree. Like you look at Alex Nadolkovich went for cheap. Uh, you look at that like Jake Bean and the orders have, the orders can't do those, Connor, because they don't have the picks. They don't have the assets, right? Yeah. Like their best players are their core guys. They're not trading them, but no one wants anybody else on the orders. Like, who are you going to trade? So I think Ken Holland at, at you know, he, he inherited a mess, but I think he's creating his own mess. Not to that level of Shirelli yet, but it's getting there. And this was the summer that we're all we were all looking forward to. They finally have cap space and he, he, it's been a bad start. Can he redeem himself? I mean, at the end of the day we all know Hyman's coming. We all know they're gonna give him term and whatever. It is what it is for for Zach Hyman. But at the end of the day, I'm kinda of with Clocker like you you gotta get out of here you know, maybe stubbornness that he's just continuing to do stuff the old way and it's not working because every other team seems to be picking up good players for cheap and yet the Edmonton Oilers always seem to be overpaying. And when you have a the superstar of the league, the best player in the league and a guy that's top five, that shouldn't be the case. You shouldn't be beat, overpaying anyone, Connor. And, um, yeah, so I'm kind of with Clacker. The faith is not high and we'll see what happens here come this Wednesday.
1: Yeah, and I mean, I, I think that's totally justified. And like we say, like there's, there's still time for him to make some nice moves and maybe he can convince us a little bit. But if you would have gone above five out of 10 in terms of confidence with Ken Holland, I, I might have had some questions because I'm right there with you guys. Like I, I don't know if I believe it. Just watching from what we've seen so far, we'll, we'll give him some time and see what happens. Maybe we'll touch on it. Uh, once the season gets going or a few more free agency moves are made. But right now, confidence can't be too high. Uh, I want to ask you guys about this one. This is a conversation Struds and I had uh on Friday when we were watching the Arizona Coyotes fire sale and all that they were doing. If you were to be able to acquire Darcy Kemper for Mikko Koskinen, but you've got to sweeten up the pot, throw in a draft pick, is that something you might consider? And And what would you throw in, knowing that the Oilers next year only have a first, second, fifth, sixth, and seventh?
2: Uh, I'd do it. I mean, he's an upgrade on what they have. I mean, I just talked about overpaying, but it's, it's Darcy Kemper is younger. He's better between the pipes than what they have right now. If he can stay healthy. Um, I wouldn't give up a first. I'll tell you that. But, uh, I'd give up a pick. The owners are on win mode. Now, this is a, this has moved into like a four year plan corner. Like they, they have to win now. And, um, yeah, like I would do it. And, um, Outside of a first and something ridiculous, I mean, Arizona, I think, would move him. So I'm, I'm totally on board for Darcy Kemper.
0: I like Darcy Kemper a lot. However, I'm a little concerned about his injury history, and that's something that that at least you have Mike Smith there in case Kemper gets hurt. But, I mean, it all depends on all the goalie options that are available on the table. I actually like... Linus Ulmer, who I do think the Oilers might take a run at, and I think Linus Ulmer is a good goalie who was on a bad team, like a really bad team that he bailed them out a lot and it still wasn't enough. That's a guy that I'd also, I'd also look at, but if Darcy Kemper's the best goalie on the table, and he might be the best goalie on the table I might be tempted to deal a first, because if you think about what that first round pick is it's Xavier Bourgeau
2: like, That's true too yeah.
0: He, I, I, I don't know if that's really like to me. He's kind of in the Levois territory of prospects. But that that twenty to thirty-five range. If that's where the Oilers want to be, then all right. Like you gotta, you actually do have to deal that first. Like good teams will deal there first if it's late because they know they're gonna win. The Oilers have to start believing that they're gonna win. Zach Hyman is a really big addition. If the contract sucks, he's still a good player. They're going to have a very solid top six. They're going to be in a division full of bad teams. That Arizona Coyotes team, you know how bad they look right now? Well, they're in the same division. What about Seattle? You're telling me Seattle is going to be a good team this year after the draft they just had? Like, their number one center is Yanni Gord. He's not even playing till November. Unless they sign a guy. Ryan Strom trade, is that going to help them? I don't think so if that happens. Dealers have a really nice shot at at least the playoffs. Their pick should be in the 20s. And that's why I would consider dealing that first if I get a guy like Kemper. Yeah. Especially and, if they can extend them, though. Yeah. And I yeah, think and that's
2: a great point. That would yeah, have to be because, it. Yeah. You're, you're in win mode. Like that that first overall, uh, not first overall, first round is not going to help you for four or five years. So, I mean, could be three or whatever, right? But.
1: Yeah, and, and that was kind of what Struddy and I said. I mean, you've got a, a contract extension in the works if you're giving up that first. But like Clack said, I mean, the Oilers picked with the, the 19th selection this year you've got to at least internally believe that you're going to be finishing lower in the standings or higher in the standings, lower in the draft order. So it's going to be even lower than that. And, I mean, I I would hope that the Oilers are in a position next year at the trade deadline to trade that first pick anyways to bring someone in because you're in that win-now mode. Why not do it now and get a goalie who, you know, if he stays healthy, can help you out a lot. Darcy Kemper would be interesting, I think. Uh, Olmark as well. I think that'd be a good option too, Clock. Like a younger guy, and you know, probably still has room to grow. And like you said, playing on a bad Buffalo team, it's really hard to judge that guy. Like that team was awful, and and they knew it. I'm sure. Like not only the lack of skill, but you you suck every night. You you know it's going to take a toll on you mentally as well. So I I think that's a good option as well. Now, what do you guys think happens with James Neal? Is he buyout? Is it uh You know, is there anything else in the works? Do you keep him hoping he can bounce back, start with clock?
0: I think that James Neal is on waivers on July 27th at 10 o'clock. I think that's what they have to do with him. I mean, when that Neal for Lucci's trade happened, really, the trade wasn't a win for me until, unless one guy was awesome forever. Like, unless Neal just lit it up for years or Lucci lit it up for years. I, I always thought that the win was to the Oilers. Once they bought out Neil, because it was all about money flexibility, and Lucic was not buyoutable. His contract had bonuses everywhere. It didn't save them any money, but Neil, you could buy out and you could save three and a half plus million dollars. So the moment they buy out Neil, they won that trade. I've been waiting for it for about a season or two now, and it, it should finally come. Whereas Miko Koskinen, he's all, he's up in a year. So if you're going to bury a guy and Neil's probably not going to be in your top 12 forwards, if he is, then you have to look at the depth again and go, maybe we didn't do enough. Like maybe we screwed this up because they need to add more bottom sixers. I mean, the bottom six was not very good for like the 10th consecutive year. I mean, really the only time the Oilers had a good bottom six maybe was when they went to the second round against Anaheim. They need upgrades there. Neil to me is not really a guy you want in your bottom six, not to mention at his cap. So he should be on waivers on the 27th at 10 AM bought out. Koskinen, if you're going to have to bury a guy, it might, that might be the guy only because of that contract being one more year.
2: Yeah. I'm with clocker. I, I think, you know, we'll land on waivers tomorrow. And what's interesting, and we talked about it on team guys today. And there are some reports that there were some teams that might've want to trade with him. If you, if you would have retained a bit and, and it's been interesting because why haven't they bought him all yet like what are they waiting for so maybe they maybe they were trying to outflow them on the team and some uh, salary uh retainer their partner. but yeah I, for me uh Koskinen he's got one year left Bury the guy whatever uh i just i hate buyouts in 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 general but the James Neal one makes sense so uh, I'm a clocker. I think by tomorrow morning, or even by tonight, we'll we'll hear news that he's uh, he's the Oilers' buyout.
1: Hernan, we we heard people talking that potentially Zach Cassian and could be traded, and that might have been the reason that the Oilers did protect him at the expansion draft. Uh, are you surprised yeah. at all that, as we talk here Monday, July 26th, that he's still in the Oilers' roster?
2: No, I. You know what? I, I saw those reports. I didn't really bite into them too much because I was like. Uh, I don't know. Like, it's just his his contract, right? Like, what what team's gonna really want to take on uh, that for a guy that's gonna be in your bottom six, whose best days are probably behind them? So, I mean, again, if you can offload him, they can find a willing partner. You do it all the time. I mean, we keep talking about Cassian and what he brings, but he hasn't brought it in in, in, in a year and a half. So, how can you miss something that's that hasn't been there? And and I mean, what makes you think? Uh, Zach is going to return to form. I mean, everybody keeps saying, well, there's going to be fans in the building. And I'm like, wow, that's a pretty weak excuse. I mean, you get paid a lot of money to perform, and he hasn't performed uh, since February of 2020. So, uh, you know what? I- I'm not surprised because I just didn't see anyone really taking on that on that deal, and-, and the orders of the return probably wouldn't be great just because of the contract. So, I think Zach Jackson's going to be here to come training camp.
1: Clacker. When it, on the topic of Zach Cassian, I mean, what do you need to see from him and and maybe statistically and just on the ice for you to say, all right, he had a good year this year.
0: Well, I have a feeling already just based on how we saw game four play out in the Oilers and Jets series, we that was probably Cassian's best game in forever, like really forever. I hadn't seen him play that well, maybe in a Calgary game. But they might take that and they might go, all right, we're paying Cassie in $3 million plus. So maybe we have to try him out again with McDavid. Because here's the thing. Personally, I would want pull Pugliarvi in my top six, 100% without a question. Whether it's with Dreisaitl or with McDavid, I think he plays a very important role going forward for both of those centers, McDavid and Dry. But Kyler Yamamoto... Kind of an interesting player. I think he's a really good gadget player. I think he's a great four checker. I think that he has a lot of skill and he can definitely score in front of the net. But is he a top six player? I think that's a question that we're going to find out this year. And obviously they have to sign him on a bridge deal. So if I'm Dave Tippett, I have a good feeling he might consider putting Zach Cassian back up with Connor McDavid or Leon Dreisaitl because he already did it in game four. And if that doesn't work for the fifth time, then there's nothing that's going to fix him because I don't know if he's committed to being a solid bottom six player on a consistent basis without being with some kind of skill. And I just, it's, it's, it's one of those things where I think the others did try to move him. And I really thought that he was going to move, and then I heard Duncan Keith says say his name. Duncan Keith in his press conference when he arrived here mentioned that Cassian would be important, and I knew right away the Oilers might not move him. Then, even though I think they maybe should have, Duncan Keith is the leader coming in, and he said he wants Cassian. I think they're gonna take that with a pretty big weight.
2: And and I hate that. You know why? Because who cares who your players? Like, oh, he's my buddy. Like, you gotta build a team that's gonna give you the best chance to win. And if Zach Kassian is not that guy and, and Duncan Keith likes him, like I, oh, I, that bothers me so much, guys. Like, and I, Listen, they might be buddies. They might want, like, I mean, a little surprise you brought up Zach Cassian, but, you know, Clapper makes a good point. Like, it, 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 this guy doesn't seem to have the juice when he's in the bottom six, but when he's in the top six, he kind of forgets what his role is, right? And he's not in there being that, that, that disturber that the Oilers need and getting in people's phases and being physical. So right now, Zach Cassian's kind of all over the place. And a great point uh, by Clapper as well is that Yamamoto, everybody has him as his top six guy. Like, And I love the player, Connor. I do. And I, and I know he had a bit of an off year last season, but he worked his butt off. I don't think he, he ever looked at his game and said, man, that Yamamoto, he's not giving it tonight. But again, is he better suited maybe to be in your top nine instead of your top six?
1: If Kyler Yamamoto's on your third line, your team's better. 100%. That means someone's jumped into the top six, pushed him down, your team's better. I, I would agree with that 100%. Uh, I'm a big fan of Kyler Yamamoto as well. Love what he brings, but yeah, if, if he's been pushed down the depth chart, that means you've got stronger top end talent and that's a good thing. Um, I, I just like to think that potentially Duncan Keith is just gonna scream in Cassian's face for like two minutes before the game. Just fire him huh. up because, <laughs> who knows what else it takes, and I think Keith Keith looks like a guy who might do that. So uh I'm just going to ask you guys before we get going here, we're just going to map out the Oilers' top six, what you think is best. So, uh, Clack, we'll go with you first, then we'll jump right to Hernan. Top line, left wing, who do you think it is to start the 2021-2022 season?
0: To start the season, I think it's going to be Zach Hyman, but who I think it should be, potentially, is Thomas Tatar on Ooh. a cheap one-year deal <laughs>
1: all right hernan
2: yeah it's it's i mean they're bringing time in for a reason he's gonna he's gonna jump on that uh on that top line with JP and Connor Mcdavid and uh on the two guys again we brought up tatar i mean he's a guy that didn't play much uh towards the end of the playoffs he's a guy that's looking to kind of a show me deal and he's probably going to come cheap and he's a guy that can score goals. So I, I mean, if they can get Tatar and Hyman, I'm totally on board for that. But I think Hyman's going to be the, uh, top, uh, line left winger.
1: Mm. Ken Holland, Tatar, they got that relationship from their Detroit days. So let's see he, if it happens. He, he's too young though. well he can smudge his papers whatever you know he's uh he's an old soul i I hear an old soul uh so clacka you agree obviously mcdavid and yesi pull is that how you like to shape up that first line
0: i would like pull there i'm not entirely sure if we see that all year it really depends on mcdavid who i think has a say in this now
1: so obviously second line center will be leon dry what do you guys think on the wings there is it uh is it rhinogen hopkins and kyler yamamoto is it potentially hyman what do you guys think we'll start with Hernan once again
2: i yeah i go with the dry line um unless they bring in uh, a, a guy like guitar or whatever we'll we'll see some different looks but yeah i mean the line we all were craving it uh, this past season you put them together You know, here and there, and then they were okay. I mean, it's not like they they did what they did in 2020. But, um, yeah, why not? I mean, Neuj just better suited on the wing. Um, I think he has more success with with dry and Yamo than he does on that Mike line. So, uh, I'd like to see that line start at training camp and just let him run, right? Like, instead of, you know, keep flip-flopping the guys. So, uh, for me, it's just stick with the dry line going into camp.
0: I would be very, very tempted. And I bring this up because I saw Ryan Rashog send a tweet out a couple days ago where he said, well, what if the Oilers want to be flexible? And what if Zach Hyman can switch wings? He's played right wing. He's played left wing. And it does make me think that maybe if the Edmonton Oilers were to sign a guy like Thomas Tatar, maybe they can go with Tatar, McDavid, and Pauly And maybe Hyman actually takes over for Yamamoto on that right wing second line. Hmm. He might be an upgrade on Yamamoto based on just from a goal scoring perspective. They could run the dry line, but instead it's Nuge, dry and Hyman. That would allow Yamamoto to slide to the third line and play with maybe Dylan Holloway on the left, maybe someone at center like, Ryan Getzlaf. By the way, I'm not. I'm not totally advocating for Ryan Getzlaf here. I'm not sure where his game is at. I'm just saying I can see the Oilers maybe thinking, "This is how we get deeper because we need to get deeper."
2: He, he fits the age bracket, so
0: he's, he he <laughs> does. <laughs> <laughs> Ken, right. So Ken uh, Holland and I, Hernan love board. the old guy.
2: I, I think I think we'd all be on board for Getzlaf, guys. I, I I think just what he brings, even at his age, he'd be an excellent get for the Oilers.
1: I want to throw one name at you guys. This is this is very under the radar, by the way. This isn't I'm not going to steal the headlines or anything. But what about a uh, Jor- Jordan and Martinuk? Uh, played with the Hurricanes and the Coyotes. You know, a guy who seems to always be available, like pl- plays a lot, stays healthy. What do you think he could bring to the bottom six?
2: I I like it. I again, cheap guy. I think he's a local guy too um from edmonton uh like you said he he brings it every game uh he's got a little bit of offense for a bottom six guys but he's a good pk guy he's he's a leader he was i think he wears an a in carolina um yeah i'd be on board I, i think he'd come cheap i think he'd bring uh something that's missing in the orders it's just kind of that in your face physicality so um i i really like that name connor is looking at it today at the ufa list and he's one that stood out to me and uh yeah, like I said, local guy, and uh, I'd be on board with the Jordan Martinuk in Oiler Colors.
0: I like Jordan Martinuk. I think that he's a guy that's really good in the room. He's a glue guy. He brings people together. I do think I do think when you talk about leadership on the Oilers, it's just not just look at this guy and look what he does. I think they need some guys that come in and bring everybody together. And I think Jordan Martinuk is that guy. But frankly, looking at the UFA list, I do look at Martinuk and I go – He's blocked a lot of shots. He has put his body on the line in Carolina a ton. He's 29 going on. I think he actually just turned 29 yesterday. So happy birthday, Jordan Martinuk. (laughs) But also, I kind of look at a guy like Michael Bunting, and who's a UFA, and I think he's probably Martinuk in his prime. He had 10 goals in 21 games last year for the Coyotes. He's only 25. And I kind of wonder, maybe the Oilers need to get some guys that are 25-26 for the bottom six, where they can be here for three to four years and develop a rapport. Kind of like Vegas with the Carrier and uh, Thomas Nosek pickups and expansion. Those two guys have been there for a while in their bottom six, and they've been able to grow with Ryan Reeves, mind you. But they've been, all, they've been able to be effective as a fourth line. Bunting has goal-scoring ability, just like Martinook does, because he can score. I would be looking at him more, but I don't mind Martinuk. Uh, hey guys,
2: we all we we all know it's going to be Glenn Denny. Right?
0: Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. Well, I,
1: uh, I was going to say Bunting turns twenty six to start the year. Hernan, I'm going to go to you. You're the ageologist here. Is that is that old enough or no?
2: Which one, sir? Uh,
1: Bunting. He'll be twenty six when the season starts.
2: That's perfect. That's the kind of players I want on this team. Uh, like Clackard said, that like you know just getting into that twenty five, twenty six range, enough with the. I, I I know you want leaders and you want good guys in the room and guys with experience, but geez, man, you, you do need some some um some younger guys in that bottom six. So yeah, I, I, Michael Bunting's an interesting name. Like uh, he had a good run there late in the season where he was scoring uh, scoring a lot late for for Arizona. So I like that one and. I get Martin Milk's old, and there's that Casey uh, Sisekis is also 30 years old, and he's looking for a term. But, you know, it's wishful thinking that those guys would sign here short term. It's not going to happen because I absolutely love those two guys and what they bring to a fourth line. Um, But, yeah, it's – hey, if a Michael Bunting ends up signing in Edmonton, I mean, I'm not going to complain. I think we need more guys of that age on this team.
1: Final question for you guys. I really appreciate you doing this. We've been going for just about an hour now, so it's probably about time we wrap up. But give me one player on the Oilers roster right now that you think could be a breakout player next season. We'll start with you, Clack.
0: Well, I think for me, it's it's a very obvious name that we're all thinking, and that's Evan Bouchard. I mean, if Evan Bouchard comes to camp and just he just has to do more than what he showed us already, he showed us a lot of good. I mean, he can move the puck extremely well. He's a great passer. But something that I really like about his game that has developed recently is that he had some issues on Team Canada at the World Juniors getting pucks through to the net. There was a lot of shin pad warrior Andre Sekera, like, shot selection there. He got pucks to the net in creative ways in his little bit of time that allowed for tips and allowed for goals. And I think that Evan Bouchard's potential is the sky. I really do think that this player with the forwards that the Oilers have could be a massive difference maker to the team going forward. Yes, Tyson Berry, offensive defenseman, I get it. But Evan Bouchard actually has the potential to be a way better passer than Berry and also has the potential to be a harder shooter than Berry. Berry shoots hard, but Berry misses the net quite often. Bouchard gets his puck on net. That power play is already lethal. If Bouchard can do that at five on five and on the power play, like guys, this guy is going to be fantastic.
2: Yeah, just to be different, I, I, I uh, Bouchard during the season, the way he moved that puck was so damn impressive. But um, I'll go with Ryan McLeod. I mean, I, I thought I thought he did some good things when he got called up and in the playoffs, but I, I found him too timid. Uh, he wouldn't shoot the puck when he'd have good looks. He's always looking for that pass. Uh, You know, he wasn't really bringing the physicality. No, he's not that kind of player. But if you're in the bottom six, you got to do it a little bit. So I think this year he's going to be more confident. He's going to shoot the puck more. He's going to use his his wheels because that kid can fly. And I can see him. uh, I can see him killing penalties for the Edmonton Oilers, and maybe moonlighting in the top six if there's injuries. But I think Ryan McLeod has a real opportunity here. To lock down a bottom six spot, and and I think all that maybe you know that first year uh, timidness and maybe nervousness and all that is going to go away, and he's going to turn into something something really uh, valuable for the Edmonton Oilers.
1: Yeah, that's that's kind of where I was looking too. I mean, Bouchard's a great pick, and I think he will take a big jump. But for sure, Hernan Ryan McLeod playing in 14 games last season to me that's just enough to kind of get your feet wet and realize, you know. This is what I have to do to be a good NHL player. I'm seeing it, and then it's the off season, so you got lots of time to work on it. I think big things from the second-year player there as well. Guys, thanks a lot for doing this. Really appreciate it. Fun having you on. We'll have to do it again if you guys just ever have an hour to burn.
2: Of course, buddy.
1: Huge thank you to Hernan Salas of TSN 1260 and Brennan Clack, contributor at Fantrax. Make sure to give them both a follow on Twitter. Clack is at NHL Update and Hernan Salas is at Hernan The Really appreciate them joining me here today on the Other Connor podcast. So much stuff. I had to keep them on roundtable format. It was a lot of fun and we'll do that again in the future. But that's going to do it for this episode of the show. We'll be back on Friday. And, of course, free agency will be underway. We'll probably know what's happening with Nico Koskinen and James Neal. Are they bought out? Is there trades, waivers? Whatever it might be, we'll know what's going down. And we'll, of course, have to recap the Zach Hyman deal to see how much it is worth and what are the terms, what will be involved, all that sort of stuff. We'll break it down on Friday here on the Other Connor Podcast. I want to give a big thank you. To our guests today, Hernan Salas and Brennan Clack, all of you for tuning in. I do appreciate it. Our sponsor, DraftKings. Sign up at DraftKings. Use promo code THPN. And, of course, the friends out at the Hockey Podcast Network. I appreciate all they do for us here on the show. My name is Connor Halley. You can give me a follow on Twitter as well, at Connor Halley. We'll talk to you next time here on the Other Connor Podcast.
0: Thanks for tuning in to the Other Connor Podcast. New shows drop every Tuesday and Friday, wherever you get your podcasts from.